0: Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Walk in the Light podcast. Today, we're going to be talking about glorification. However, as per usual, we're going to start with a quick prayer, and we're going to use Paul's prayer in Ephesians chapter 3. So, Heavenly Father, we just ask that you would grant all of us, according to the riches of your glory, to be strengthened with power through your Spirit in the inner man, so that you may dwell in our hearts through faith, and that we, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth and to know the love that you have, which surpasses knowledge that we may be filled up to all the fullness of you. Now to you who is able to do far more abundantly beyond all that we ask or think, according to the power that works within us to you be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. Amen.
1: So, um, Just a couple things that we wanted to uh, cover from last week. We had some verses last week that covered grace, but we just wanted to make sure to uh, extend upon that a little bit. And so uh, we're going to bring up a verse and then we'll kind of do a brief uh, cover of what grace really means. And so we have Romans chapter 3, 23 through 25. And it says, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by his grace as a gift. Through the redemption, redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a propitiation by his blood to be received by faith. This was to show God's righteousness because in his divine forbearance, he had passed over for all former sins. And so uh, when we're talking about grace, we're talking about unmerited favor. God gives it to us just out of the, the love for us and, and the grace and grace of his character. It's not something that we earn. It's not something that we deserve. Otherwise it's not grace. It's something, it's unmerited favor. We do not deserve the grace that he gives us. We do not deserve the forgiveness of our sins, but he gives it to us anyway out of his love and character for us and out of the grace of who he is.
0: Yeah, and unmerited favor, uh, uh, another kind of simpler way to even say it is it's a undeserving gift. That's what we mean when we say grace. So last week, our topic was the gospel of salvation and grace. Well, again, we never really described what grace was, but it's implied throughout the entire salvation and gospel story. But we just wanted to kind of hammer at home. What do we mean by grace? Again, it's unmerited favor. It's an undeserved gift that we are given. We did nothing to deserve it. And that is what grace is. Exactly. So one other thing that I wanted to cover is... I have heard it said that, or I have heard some debate about the Great Commission. We talked about the Great Commission last week as, well, what now? What do we do now that we're saved? And that is to fulfill the Great Commission, which is to go out and make disciples of all men, um, baptizing, so on and so forth. But as I was saying, I've heard some people say, well, that doesn't apply to us. That was Christ's call to the disciples. Well, if anybody thinks that we are not supposed to be evangelizing let's look at what paul says so second timothy 4 5 but you keep your head in all situations endure hardship do the work of an evangelist discharge all the duties of your ministry so again even paul says to do the work of an evangelist and i believe he's talking to timothy but here again as with all things even though paul may be talking to timothy He's talking to us as well.
1: Yeah, and there's and there's other verses yeah. on this as well on this particular topic. I think Paul makes it clear, uh, very clear, multiple times that our duty is to evangelize to spread the gospel. Um, so yeah, yeah. So I just wanted to clear that up. And one last issue. Last
0: week I said that if you add to the gospel that you are a blasphemer. So what do I mean when I say that you're a blasphemer? Well, I'm gonna talk about two different things here. And the first, and both of these definitions are taken from Christianity.com. And blasphemy's definition, it's generally defined as the act or offense of speaking sacrilegiously about God or sacred things. Now that is correct by me saying that you are a blasphemer or you are blaspheming God when you add to the gospel because you are speaking sacrilegiously. However, what I should have said is that you're actually a heretic. (laughs) And now, what is a heretic? So a heresy is any belief or practice that explicitly undermines the gospel and has been determined to be such by recognized ecclesiastical authorities, most important, the decisions of the ecumenical councils. That last part, you don't have to, don't worry about that last part. But again, a heresy is any belief or practice that explicitly undermines the gospel. So even though blaspheming is correct, it's actually more appropriate to label it as heresy which is any belief or practice that explicitly undermines the gospel so again these are strong words and they might be hurtful but this is what paul says i mean paul curses somebody that undermines the gospel so that's just something to be reminded of the seriousness of the issue of salvation
1: yeah and i think for for somebody who's genuinely in the faith i think getting it wrong is a big deal to that person. It is. Um, I know for me, I, I think a lot about, did I, did I uh, represent Christ properly Mm -hmm. and truthfully? I think about that a lot. And I think that's true for a lot of people. Um, We were told, like we said uh, about evangelism, we're told to evangelize and spread the gospel. We're told to have an answer um, for people's questions and that's putting a lot on us to make sure that, you know, we represent Christ truthfully and correctly um, when we're answering those questions. And so yeah. I think about that a lot. Am I, am I representing Christ correctly? Because, um, I mean, even in especially in the Old Testament, um, you know, if, if God isn't represented correctly, like maybe even the word mm-hmm. was correctly, but the way you said it was um, not representing God in the right way. like when Moses you know uh, cracked the rock to produce water and he had his words, you know it wasn't it wasn't the fact of he didn't go out and do what he was supposed to do, but the way, what his words did not represent God. Yeah. And there was a punishment for that. Yeah. And so uh, I think about that a lot. Uh, you know, making sure again, representing and being truthful, in my responses. And I think, you know, the reason
0: why I wanted to even go over this kind of a little bit of a hellfire and brimstone is for me and Josh both personally, we have been affected by improper improper gospels. Yes. By by <laughs> people even if they meant well who told us the wrong thing, who led us down rabbit holes and caused a lot of unnecessary heartache and grief and that is not something i want for anybody else now i'm thankful for what i've had to go through because god has taught me a lot i'm closer to him now than i ever was before um and I've, i've learned more than i ever have before and so i'm thankful that you know these trials and tribulations have produced some good things but if i can prevent that from happening then i'm going to you know and Again, Josh and I are so passionate about the gospel and about salvation, as we should all be, so we wanna call it for what it is. Again, if you add anything to the gospel, you are leading people astray and you're putting them in unnecessary bondage. For one, or for two, even worse, you're so off base that you didn't even give them a gospel at all, and now they're not even close. You know. And now, that being said, one thing I want to clarify is again, this is all through the work of God. You know, it is not by us that anybody is saved. However, we are still His
1: tools, so correct. We have to recognize that. Yeah, and I think uh, you know, you welcome evil spirits when you when you're led to misrepresent God in an untruthful way. And unfortunately, the person that you are talking to may not know enough to discern the spirit that well, is just the plain given wickedness and darkness. Yeah. yeah. And so, yeah, I, I think we just have to be careful and and make sure that am I representing the love of God? Am I representing, uh, you know, the truth and and, you know, the character of God properly? Yeah.
0: And again, especially for teachers, the Bible makes it clear that you were held to a higher standard than everybody else. Now, what, that doesn't mean that, you know, you have a greater chance of going to hell or anything like that, but it, it talks about the severity of the position that you have. So even me and Josh, we're not pastors. We're not We're not full-time missionaries. This is simply a ministry that we wanted to do to provide people with some answers. But even that... We're held to a higher standard. And so remember that when you're teaching somebody, when you're evangelizing, which we should all do at some point, you're held to a different standard right there. I mean, and, and again, this, it was really, th- those verses were written to pastors and things like that, but I think it kind of applies to all of us at different points in our life. When you're teaching somebody about truth, about the Bible, about the gospel, about salvation, you're held to a different standard. You're held to a higher standard right there. So again, this is a serious issue and it needs to be treated as such. Yep. It's a good issue, you it know? Is. I mean, we are it's kind of doom and gloom right now. I mean, it's an amazing issue, and we're passionate about it, and we love talking about it. But again, wanted to cover what happens when you stray. It's a big deal when you stray because this is – we're talking about people's souls. Again, this is on God to do the saving, but we're still his tools. So – and it may be their salvation, or again, it might just be their walk. Did you misrepresent Christ and now they're held in bondage that they should not be held in.
1: And it and it also uh, it could be something that like ultimately, if they're part of the elect, God will get them on the right yes. path. But it could be the way we represented Christ could just delay that a little bit longer than it should have. Should have absolutely. Um, you know, God will get them there either way. But how we how we do it may may uh, just be a little bit of a stumbling block in the road. That was avoidable. Yes. Absolutely. All right. So back onto the topic of glorification, uh, our topic for this week. And as always, we start out with what is it? So glorification is the culmination of our sanctification. It is the last step, the removal of sin from the life of a believer, those who are saved for all eternity. Saints will have full access to God's presence we will be changed, incorruptible, immortal, and have a full realization of the glory of God, his honor, praise, majesty, holiness, and much more. And so the evidence we have for this is Romans chapter 8, uh, 18 through 23. And it says, for I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing to the glory that is to be revealed to us. For the creation waits with eager longing for the revelation grown inwardly as we wait eagerly for adoptions as sons, the redemption of our bodies. And our second one here is uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, and we're going to start off from verse 16 through 18. And it says, so we do not lose heart, though our outer self is wasting away, for our inner self is being renewed day by day. For this light momentary affliction is preparing us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. As we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are are unseen are eternal. Nice. So now we talk about, well, what's the point? And to simplify it, the point
0: of glorification, the whole point of it all is we are meant to have a perfect relationship with our Heavenly Father. And the only way that that can ever happen is by being glorified, by having a perfect body, by by having, you know, uh, by being a perfect creation. And we become that by glorification, via glorification. So let's kind of delve into this. So since glorification is the last step in this life for the believer, um, we must understand that we remain sinful and cursed uh, in corruptible bodies in this life. Now, again, we have to remember that we're, we're not glorified yet, but we will become glorified. And it's important to become glorified again because then we're able to have that perfect relationship with our Heavenly Father. But this is where things get just a little bit confusing. So scripture supports the idea that we get glorified upon Christ's return. We have some verses that will prove that. Scripture also makes it clear that when we die, we are immediately in the presence of our Heavenly Father. Now we know that there could be no sin in the presence of God. So the question is, are we interpreting Scripture wrong and therefore are immediately glorified upon death and not during his uh, second coming? Or do we have some type of intermediate body slash spirit or whatever you want to call it that is sinless yet not glorified. So one possibility is me and Josh were talking about it. um, And this is something that Josh said is that in death, the flesh and or Adamic nature, that human sinful nature dies. And again, that is our sinful side. So when we die, that that sinful side dies. Now, all that is left is the righteousness of Christ. And as a result, we are no longer sinful. However, again, this is a gray area and right now, you know, we're we're really just speculating, but just though that no matter matter how it works, whether we are glorified upon Christ's second coming, whether we're glorified immediately, or or maybe even where there's a couple other different options that we're just not seeing. Just remember, it will be perfect and more amazing than any of us could possibly imagine. Now, Despite this uncertain nature of death versus the return of Christ, at at what point are we glorified? The point is that we are to rise like Jesus and put on glorified, incorruptible, and immortal bodies which will make us fully heirs with Christ. So, Romans 8, chapter 17, or excuse me, Romans chapter 8, verse 17. And if children, again, we're talking about us as children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ provided we suffer with him in order that we may be also glorified with him. I'm going to read that again. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. Now that's an idea that just blows my mind. The fact that we are heirs, fellow heirs with Christ. This verse is literally saying we are fellow heirs with God himself. How that works (laughs) And how that's gonna play out is absolutely beyond me, but it's pretty amazing to think about. So uh, a couple other verses that we have here is Titus chapter two, verses 11 through 13. For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people, training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions, and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in the present, present age, waiting for our blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God, and the Savior, Jesus Christ. And then 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 9-12. through 12, For we know in part, and we prophesy in part, but when the perfect comes, the partial will pass away. When I was a child, I spoke like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I gave up childish ways. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall now fully, even as I have been fully known. And finally, Romans chapter 8, verses 12 and 13. So then, brothers, we are debtors, not to the flesh to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of
1: the body, you will live. Yeah, and so on to support and real world examples. So... We want to uh, we want to give you a list of uh, things that support the entire process uh, in a way of the believer of of the believer and our glorification. So to kind of reiterate from what we talked about last week uh, and the week and the week before that, we have first salvation. The moment a saint believes and puts their trust in the finished work of Christ and Christ alone. And our uh, evidence for that was 1 Corinthians chapter fifteen, one through 4. Now I will remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preached to you, which you received, in which you stand, and by which you are being saved. If you hold fast to the word I preached to you, unless you believed in vain, for I deliver to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures, that he was buried, and that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures. And then the uh, second part of uh, the believer's life is sanctification, which we t- talked about first. Which, which we talked which, about first, yes. which was a couple of weeks ago. Again, out of order. <laughs> forgive us. <clears throat> but it is the process of leaving the fleshly and sinful things of this world, while becoming more righteous, or in a sense, Christlike. And our uh, verse for that was Second Corinthians chapter 3, 17 through eighteen. Now the Lord is the Spirit. And where the spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. And we all with unveiled face, behold, the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord, who is the spirit. And the idea here is, is that um, we are we come uh, when a person is converted. um, They begin that process of sanctification, which is led by the Holy Spirit. Sometimes we don't even know that a change has happened within our heart or within our mind or any other part of our being. Sometimes we don't even realize it. that spirit is slowly working us out. And I think, uh, one of the things that I realized this week that I really want to talk on is the idea that, um, the spirit, um, the way, the way the spirit speaks to us, it changes, um, the way the person uh, – I guess I kind of forgot where I was going with that. That's okay. It was great. It was great. It would have been great. Yeah, it would have been great. Maybe <laughs> another time. Maybe it will come back to me and I'll come back we'll, to We'll it. throw it in the addendum for next week. Yeah, we'll throw it in the addendum. It was really good. I have it written down somewhere too. <laughs> but um, the second thing we wanted to go over about uh, glorification is uh, it was prophesied. So in Isaiah tw- chapter 25 – Verses three through nine. Therefore, strong peoples will glorify you. Cities of ruthless nations will fear you, for you have been a stronghold to the poor, a stronghold to the needy, in his distress a shelter from the storm and a shade from the heat. For the breath of the ruthless is like a storm against a wall, like heat in a dry place. You subdue the noise of the foreigners as heat by the shade of a cloud. So the song of the ruthless is put down on this mountain. The Lord of hosts will make for all people a feast of rich food, a feast of well aged wine, of rich food, full of marrow, of aged wine, well refined. And he will swallow up in this mountain, the covering that is cast over all peoples, the veil that is spread over all nations. He will swallow up death forever. And the Lord God will wipe away the tears from all faces and the reproach of his people will be take away from all the earth for the Lord has spoken. It will be said on that day, behold, this is our God. We have awaited for him that he might save us. This is the Lord. We have waited for him. Let us be glad and rejoice in his salvation. And
0: this isn't just a prophecy of Glorification. I mean, this is a prophecy of Christ exactly. and His entire work of Christ, of our salvation, of our sanctification, and to end
1: with glorification. Exactly. And the other verse I have here is uh, Hosea chapter thirteen, verses verse fourteen. I shall ransom them from the power of Sheol. I shall redeem them from death. O death, where is your plagues? O Sheol, where is your sting? compassion is hidden from my eyes. Absolutely. So, a couple of
0: other interesting things to talk about, or at least one other interesting thing about glorification, death, the return of Christ. And that is the rapture. Now, (laughs) the rapture is also a a topic that is much debated. Both Josh and I consider ourselves pre-tribulation rapturists, if you will. And that is, we believe that the Christians that are left on earth will be raptured before the great tribulation that is spoken of in the Bible. Again, there's debate about this. It's not a fundamental. It has no indication uh, about your faith and about your salvation. It has no effect on it, but it's fun to talk about. And so let, let's give a couple uh, of verses about this, uh, the topic of r- the rapture. The first one is in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 13 through 18. But we do not want you to be uninformed, brothers, about those who are asleep, that you may not grieve as others do who have no hope. For since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so, through Jesus, God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep. For this we declare to you by a word from the Lord, that we who are alive, who are left into the coming of the Lord, will not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a cry of command, with the voice of an archangel, and with the sound of the trumpet of God. And the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive, who are left, will be caught up together. And that's where we get the word rapture, caught up. Uh, together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will always be with the Lord. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. And then Matthew 24, verses 30 through 31. Then will appear in heaven the sign of the Son of Man, and then all the tribes of the earth will mourn, and they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. And he will send out his angels with a loud trumpet call, and they will gather his elect from the four winds, from one end of heaven to the other. And to kind of add on to the end of that, if we look back at the first Thessalonians uh, verses, it's people that are still alive and it's people that are dead. So we don't need to mourn. You know, that's, I mean, all of this, the glorification, rapture, it gives us hope. You know, I mean, God could have kept this a secret, all of it. I mean, there's a lot of mystery that surrounds this, but by not keeping it a secret, by giving us some of these, um, these verses, mysteries and, these mysteries, you know, kind of giving us some answers, it gives us hope in this present age, especially now with everything that's going on. You know, evil might win, evil might win some battles, but we know that the war has already been fine, has already been won. Yeah, so we have hope.
1: It's it's been won, and even more has been prophesied to come. That's even better and better and better. Absolutely.
0: So again, let's kind of talk about our glorified bodies. So First John chapter three verse two. Beloved, we are God's children now, and what we will be has not yet appeared. But we know that when he appears, we shall be like him, because we shall see him as he is. And then 1 Corinthians 15, 50-54. I tell you this, brothers, flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. Imperishable. (laughs) Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed in a moment. In the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet for the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised imperishable and we shall be changed for this perishable body must put on the imperishable and this mortal body must put on immortality when the perishable puts on the imperishable and when the mortal puts on immortality then shall come to pass the saying that is written death is swallowed up in victory
1: yeah and i wanted to find that verse so the the death is swallowed up in victory. It actually refers back to that, uh, that Hosea chapter 13, verse 14, um, which says, Oh, death, where is your, where are your plagues? Oh, Sheol, where is your sting? Compassion is hidden from my eyes. Uh, I wanted to find that one and put it in here. So that way it just kind of gave a little bit more meaning to the last part of that verse. And so in summary, uh, we start with a, Uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 1 through 7. For we know that if the tent that is our earthly home is destroyed, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. For in this tent we groan, longing to be put on our heavenly dwelling. If indeed by putting it on, we may not be found naked. For while we are still in this tent, we groan, being burdened, not that we would be unclothed, but that we would further be clothed so that what, so that what is mortal may be swallowed up by life. He who has prepared us for this very thing is God, who has given us the spirit as a guarantee. So we are always of good courage. We know that while we are at home in the body, we are away from the Lord, for we walk by faith, not by sight. And that kind of goes into what Mark was saying is um, we have the spirit as a guarantee. And so we are always of good courage. That courage comes from knowing that uh, no matter what happens in this life, there's something to hope for there's some there's something else. And so scripture tells us often that we uh, dare not gaze upon God's awesome glory. Even the seraphim who was unworthy covered their faces with their wings. And uh, so we have Luke chapter five, verse eight. But when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus's knees saying, depart from me, for I'm a sinful man. We also have Isaiah chapter six, two through three. Above him stood the seraphim. Each had six, six wings. With two, he covered his face. With two, he covered his feet. And with two, he flew. And one called to another and said, holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. So we understand. So from these, we understand that we must be changed in order to fully come into the presence of God to fully and finally be removed from sin and have a full spiritual vision, uh, have a full fear, spiritual vision removed from all curses. Glorification to put on incorruptible and imperishable bodies to be aligned permanently with God's original design for mankind. And the last verse I have on on the summary part is uh, Philippians chapter three, verses 20 and 21. But our citizenship is in heaven. And from it, we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ whom will transform our lowly bodies to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself. So how do we apply
0: what we talked about today? And, and you might think, well, really the only way to apply that is when it happens, at Jesus Christ's second coming, or maybe it, it's death, but either way, is for when it happens. Well, actually, in the meantime, how do we apply it? We prepare for this for his coming and for the glorification that is to come. And how do we prepare for his coming? It is with prayer. It's with staying in his word. And it's by uh, striving to be more and more Christ-like every single day. And so remember, you know, we are a purchased possession waiting for the coming of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And the other way we apply it, like we said before, <clears throat> is having courage and hope courage and hope. I mean, that is what, you know, we talk about salvation, which is so amazing and sweet when it happens. You know, it this it, it's just incredible. And then we have sanctification, which is becoming more and more Christ-like, which is an amazing transformative experience, literally transformative. Now that glorification, well, obviously it hasn't happened yet, but why do we know about it? Again, to give us hope, to give us courage, to give us peace, especially when life is as
1: tumultuous and as wicked as it is now. Yeah, and and one of the things I like about Scripture is when when God gives us a hope, it's not like our earthly human view of hope, which is like, I hope this happens, I hope I get this job. God's hope is something that we can look forward to as a guarantee. God told us this will happen, and it's a hope, something we have, we put our hope into. Yeah. It, it's not a maybe. It's not a possibility. It's a guarantee. Jesus will come, and and he will give us glorified bodies. And that's something we can put our hope into. Amen. So that does it for
0: this topic of glorification. Hopefully you remember next week what you were going to talk about, Josh, because it
1: sounded good. You, you built it up. Yeah. I I know I had something there. I wasn't really planning on bringing it out for this discussion, so that's why I didn't put it in there. But uh, at the end of that verse, it reminded me that I wanted to talk about it, <laughs> and so and I was I had part of it in there, and then I, I forgot the the you know the big finishing part of it. It's that. okay. So it's that, a mystery. It is a mystery. It's a mystery, and so, maybe I'll remember. And it. maybe you'll remember it. <laughs> So
0: again, guys, if you have any prayer requests or praises, questions, comments, concerns, you just want to get a hold of us, um, you can send all of those things to our email, light walkinthelight at walkinthelightsp.com. Again, that is light at light, S as in Sally, P is in Paul.com. Next topic, we will actually be more of a Of a discussion. I mean, it'll still be structured, but it'll be more of a discussion. And it's going to be on kind of current affairs, um, a little bit of of politics. Don't worry, we're not going to tell you who to vote for. (laughs) Um, And how we as Christians should think about these things and how um, we should respond to some of the stuff that's going on. Now, this is a topic that, I mean, you could have a million podcasts on. (laughs) So we're probably not going to cover everything. Obviously, but we just wanted to at least talk about it. I think with ev- both of us agree with everything going on. It's deserving. It, it, it deserves some time.
1: Yeah, so. with everything going on, the elections coming up, and I think it's important as Christians to remember that. Um, and again, yeah. we're not we're not telling you who to vote for, but I think it's important for us to look in the Bible and see what God says about you know the people that we. We should vote for, uh, uh, you know, what their what their belief system is, what uh, what things they look at. Uh, I think those things are important, um, especially throughout all the Old Testament. We we can see numerous times, uh, you know, throughout the history of Israel, there was. Good Kings and bad kings, and <laughs> what and we, did the faithful do exactly you know? and and we can look at the you know the kings that got it right, we can look at them and be like, "Okay, this is what they did right." Solomon dedicated himself to God he uh, when he prayed to God, he prayed for wisdom, knowledge, and understanding. He didn't pray for wealth and riches and all that stuff. God gave it to him anyway, but ultimately we need we need a leader. That is seeking God. Hopefully. Hopefully. And, <laughs> yeah. um, there's
0: other there's other times where that wasn't the case. However, there are still answers to that scenario. Well, what if you have a leader that isn't somebody that's seeking God? Now, I'm not saying the people that we have right now are, are, are not that, is or is not that. But what do we do in that scenario? Right, exactly. So, um... Again, I, I don't know if you have anything else to add
1: for what we're going over next week, Josh. Uh, no, I think that's that's a pretty good little preview into <laughs> indeed what we're, indeed it's we're exciting stuff establish.
0: indeed. Again, this is it's kind of a harder one to talk about, but okay. again, it's it's incredibly deserving of it. There's entire chapters in the Bible that <laughs> talk about this, so it's important that we talk about it. So, again, if you like what we're doing here and you want more daily doses of hope and scripture, uh, follow us at our other social media accounts. Twitter, walkin__thelight. Uh, walk again, that is walkin__thelight. Facebook, we have uh, a page. It's just walkinthelight. And we also have an Instagram, walkinthelightsp. Again, that is walkinthelightsp. S is in Sally. P is in Paul. Thank you guys so much. God bless. And we'll
1: just... Talk to you next time. Yeah, hope you guys have a great week. We'll, we'll chat again soon.